So I'm reminded today of Aaron Ralston. Aaron is the young man who was hiking out in the wilderness outside of Moab, Utah, some years ago, and literally found himself between a rock and a hard place. You might remember this story because uh, Aaron also hailed from Aspen at the time. Aaron was alone, exploring in a deep slot canyon in an area called Blue John Canyon, when a boulder shifted above and rolled onto his forearm, crushing his hand and pinning him against the narrow canyon wall. Aaron was some 40 feet below the surface down in the canyon, and the canyon was so narrow that his shoulders touched on either side. He was completely hidden from view, although in this remote area of the wilderness, it's doubtful anybody would have come across him or seen him anyway. He had parked his little red truck eight miles away at the trailhead, hopped on his bike and zigzagged around the area. So he had made himself so scarce and so unknown that even if his family had known where he was traveling to that weekend, once they finally realized that he was missing, it's unlikely anybody would have been able to find him. They would have had no clue what direction he went. So for six excruciating days, Aaron was trapped, and a black raven that flew overhead over the canyon's opening was the only sign of life he had. Aaron's story represents for me one of the most agonizingly lonely and challenging human experiences I can even imagine. And I'm reminded of it today because I think how Jesus must have felt if he were trapped like that, alone, tempted to give in the, to the devil, as you heard this morning, just to make the emotional and the physical pain stop. I think about our propensity to romanticize the wilderness when reality is quite often the opposite. And I think about how raw and how real Aaron had to get with himself in the hours that passed like days and how Jesus did too, because sometimes that's what the wilderness demands of us. Now for the past two weeks, Robert, our senior pastor, has preached a sermon series called The Gospel According to Skiing, which was a great look at how the principles of skiing intersect with our spiritual lives. And if you missed it, you can still catch it on our website. In fact, I would say share it with some of your skiing friends, whether they live here or not, because it was really a terrific, terrific series. One of the things that he mentioned in his sermon were the ways that um, our experience of nature is heightened when we're skiing. That surrounded by such beauty, it's often hard for us not to acknowledge our creator. And so today I'm also reminded that viewing the wilderness from the vantage point of, say, elk camp on Snowmass Mountain, when you look down at the beautiful vista and the maroon bells in the distance, is one thing. But being lost and alone in it is quite another. We all live and play in the mountains on a daily basis here. We wouldn't have it any other way. And in fact, if you're visiting here this morning from somewhere else, you're here for a reason. 
I think wild places rather appeal to you too. The kind of wilderness we think of in today's day and age is one we want to immerse ourselves in. If you hail from a big city or you've ever lived in one or visited one, you know that feeling of just wanting to escape into the wild, to reconnect with the natural environment, to reconnect with yourself out there, to find God and experience God in nature. Yet in biblical times, the wilderness was anything but pristine and inviting. It was scary as all get out. Nobody wanted to be there alone in the wilderness. It was dangerous and desolate. If you had to travel from city to city, you did so during the day, never at night, and always with, with someone else. You didn't want to find yourself beaten and robbed and lying on the side of a deserted road like our Good Samaritan in Scripture. The wilderness itself can be a test of our resolve. Who are you? What are you made of, really? Perhaps this is why wilderness stories show up over and over again in our scriptures. In the most well-known example, of course, the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, homeless, uncertain, searching for food, lacking in so many ways, and still resisting to fully trust in God's presence among them. Adam and Eve were tossed out into the wilderness, made to toil in less than forgiving environments, nowhere close to the bounty and the beauty of the Garden of Eden. And then we heard this morning in our gospel reading that Jesus went into the wilderness to fast and to pray, only to find himself tempted by the devil himself. If you are the Son of God, the devil says to him, taunting him. The same words, by the way, which we'll hear later in the Gospel of Matthew, as the people mock Jesus hanging on the cross. Evil does that, you know. It tries to cast doubt on your very identity as a child of God, if you really are the Son of God. So the wilderness we're talking about today, then, is not so much of a John Muir, the mountains are calling and I must go kind of wilderness, but more of a, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me kind of wilderness. And I know that you have all been there. In one way or another, we all have. In fact, that's what the season of Lent is all about. It's about acknowledging our brokenness, our humanness, our, our, our temptation to follow others. Oh, Lord, anyone who will help us get ahead in the world. We turn to temptations like alcohol, sex, drugs, lying, gossip, cheating, being mean or rude, spending too much, talking too much, taking too much, immediate gratifications, respect, that is taken, not earned, power. These temptations all aim to be a quick fix for a spiritual longing that sometimes we don't even know exists. In many cases, in fact, we've gotten so accustomed to our wilderness that we begin to see it as something beautiful, which is exactly why we need Lent. 
Today marks the first Sunday of Lent, which is a period of 40 days leading up to Easter. For centuries and centuries, Christian churches around the world, Catholic, Protestant, have observed Lent as a time of deep spiritual reflection and repentance. Why? Because we get so busy in our day-to-day -day lives that we often can't see what desperately needs our attention. And so Lent offers up this opportunity to silence the noise in our lives and to reflect on where change and therefore growth might occur. In Lent, many people choose to give something up, like vices and bad habits. Some people may try taking on a new spiritual practice on a daily basis, committing to more prayer or reading the Bible every day. I've seen people commit to one act of kindness a day for the 40 days or to writing a letter of gratitude or a letter of love to someone in their lives every day for 40 days. And I personally love the idea of simply taking the time and the intention to notice the blessings and the beauty in our lives and keeping a journal during Lent. But the point is to do something that feels like a, a sacrificial step in which you probably need to rely more fully on God. That's the point of Lent. You see, while sometimes we find ourselves quite by accident in the wilderness due to life circumstances, other times we are invited to place ourselves there intentionally as an act of deep personal contemplation that leads to repentance and new life. And that's Lent. So, because we live here in the Roaring Fork Valley and we're quite familiar with backcountry living and in keeping with Robert's gospel according to skiing the last couple of weeks, I thought it would be appropriate today to offer you a few wilderness survival tools. So I'm going to start with this. There are actually several wilderness rules. Uh, there's a common rule of thumb in the backcountry, in fact, called the wilderness rule of threes. Maybe you've heard of these. It goes like this. You can survive for three minutes without air, three hours without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food. Okay, so basically in a crisis, I think it's saying get your priorities straight. You hardly need food and shelter if you can't breathe. So three minutes without air, three hours without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food. Okay, so in the spirit of those wilderness rules, I offer you these rules of spiritual wilderness. And maybe something in here will be helpful to you as you journey through your season of Lent, whatever that might look like. So number one, there is never any place you can go that God is not with you. Now I wanna be clear on this one. Miracles happen every day, but I'm not a big fan of assuming that God will take care of the balance in your checkbook or the relationship with your boyfriend or the healing that you need and want. But nevertheless, God is with you. Even with no obvious miracle, God will sustain you. God will care for you and love you and cause good things to come your way. 
When you're tempted to give in or give up, when you are tempted by the things that damage and destroy you, God is there to deliver you. In Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul writes that God will strengthen you with power and endurance and patience in order that you might live the life God wants for you, which is a life full of wisdom and understanding and joy, Paul writes. And he adds this, God has rescued us from the darkness. In his agony in Blue John Canyon, Aaron Ralston had already survived five days and was barely holding on as day six dawned. And he began to see a vision of himself in the future. He says he could clearly see himself with one arm amputated and playing with a young boy who he knew instantly was his future son. Ralston also says that not long after that vision, he had a moment of perfect clarity about how to amputate his arm without bleeding to death and free himself. When asked later if he believes in prophecy, he answered absolutely, without hesitation. Aaron's prophecy came in that wilderness, in his personal time of wilderness. There is never any place you can go that God is not with you. Number two, arm yourself against temptation. Or as I like to remind myself, you're not Jesus, Sharla. <laughs> it would be way too easy for me to stand up here and say, just resist evil. Do as Jesus did. You'll be fine when temptation comes your way. But my friends, we are not Jesus, not even close. The closest we're going to get is the fact that we are called to follow Jesus, to listen to the teachings of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you all, but if someone took me up onto a high mountain, as happened to Jesus in our reading this morning, I might be hard-pressed to say, no, I don't want all those kingdoms that you're offering me. When I was in high school and looking to colleges, I remember saying to my mom, in fact, I don't know what I want to major in. I'm not really sure what I want to do when I grow up, but I want to work in a big, tall office building and be in charge of everybody. <laughs> so I think the devil could have had me with that one. We need to do everything we can to be spiritually aware and spiritually ready because we will likely not have the perfect resilience of Jesus to resist the things that tempt us. So in Ephesians 6, Paul gave us this great metaphor of a soldier donning his protective gear in order to ward off his enemies. He said in the, in, in the reading that our struggle is not in protecting our bodies, it's in protecting our spirits against the power-hungry rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil. That's what we need to protect ourselves from. We live in a world where it's all too easy to dismiss evil sometimes, but here Paul is saying we do that at our own peril. We see evidence of evil every day in this world. It is heartbreaking. So how do we steal ourselves? How do we protect ourselves from it? 
with a lot of prevention. We pay close attention to our own personal spiritual disciplines, the things that strengthen our faith and that direct our paths and that guide us to wise decision-making and that build spiritual and emotional resiliency. We arm ourselves with things like prayer, meditation, reading and praying about scripture. We arm ourselves by being in community and paying close attention and communing with others who are paying close attention to their spiritual disciplines. We do this by reading books and watching movies that uplift and inspire us and help us to strengthen our own resolve. We do it by sitting in the silent spaces where we can truly listen. We live in a world today that's so addicted to its technology and technological devices, and we have become terrified of silence. So we've created these vast networks of connections with people who mean nothing to us. We're in a desert, lost from meaningful relationships. So maybe this Lenten season, you're being called to a fast from technology so that you can be more open to hearing the voice of God. And all of these spiritual disciplines, we have to practice so that when, not if, but when, we find ourselves confronted by life's challenges and hardships and we are tempted to fall into old patterns like bitterness and anger and distrust, patterns of self-medication or any number of detrimental behaviors, we have something real we can fall back on, something real that we can trust. So rule number two of the spiritual wilderness is arm yourself against temptation. Number three, find your angels. The very last sentence of today's scripture reading really touched me for some reason. After Jesus had rebuked the devil, resisted all of his attempts to be seduced, the scripture says the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. We are the arms and the legs and the hands and the feet of the body of Christ. People will show up for you when, they, when you need them. When Aaron Ralston completed the horrific act of cutting off his own hand to save his life, his battle was not over. He somehow managed to climb out of the canyon, fasten his rope in order to rappel down a 65-foot sheer rock face cliff. And remember, he has no hand at this point and a makeshift tourniquet on his arm so that he won't bleed to death. He then hikes six miles before he ever sees another human being, a family who stops, gives him water, alerts the authorities, and stays with him until help comes. Find your angels who will attend to you. And when you're able, be an angel for someone lost in the wilderness. All right, so once more, the three rules for surviving the spiritual wilderness. There is never any place you can go that God is not with you. Arm yourself against temptation and find your angels. 
Lent is an opportunity for us to explore ourselves and our relationship to God, to turn toward God and away from sin, which, remember, simply means to miss the mark. This is our chance to improve our aim. It's not even about conquering the wilderness, really, but about improving ourselves. The wilderness is not a place that we always want to be. But Lent is about purposefully going there, into the discomfort of our long-held beliefs and patterns, into the discomfort of uncertainty, of the unknown, and then asking questions like, I wonder how this will feel. I wonder how I might behave differently. I wonder if this will even make a difference. I wonder if I can handle this. I wonder if I'm prepared. I wonder if I might discover who I really am. I wonder. And then we get to go about the beautiful and sometimes brutal work of challenging ourselves for 40 days to show up in the world just a little bit differently. But we can do these hard things because God is with us, because we are armed for protection, and because there are angels among us. Let us pray.